When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got to tell you about the relief and recovery creams from Escape Artists. It's the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. Escape Artists produces these creams that help penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort that's fast absorbing. Plus, they aren't greasy and aren't going to stain your clothes or sheets. Best part is you can find them at your local light shade dispensary. There's currently 10 in the Denver metro area, soon to be an 11th. Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Now podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with code DNBR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, however often you need it and however much you need of it. It's not going to give you those coffee jitters if you want two, three, four cups, whatever it may be. It's infused with CBD and CBG. It's absolutely delicious. And now you can get 25% off your first purchase using code DNVR25 on Strava Craft Coffee. Com. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we're going to be covering a booyah base of topics, a hodgepodge, everything from Shohei Otani on the cover of your favorite baseball video game. We've got some CBA lockout discussion going on, as well as a couple job openings in and around baseball that you might be a bit interested in. But let's start with our team, the Colorado Rockies. Not much in the news as far as day 62 of the lockout is concerned, other than Keith Law's top 100 prospect list. Keith Law has been at the game for several years for ESPN for a period of time. Now he writes for The Athletic. He's one of the top prospect pundits, as it were, and his list just came out on the Rockies' top 100, rather on MLB's top 100 prospects. And on that list, of course, you had Tops, their number one overall pick in 2020, High schooler Zach Veen, who was previously number 43 on Keith Law's list. Now, Veen was in Loe Fresno last year as a 19-year-old, so he was right around league age, probably about a year less than the competition that was there. Batted 301, 399 on base percentage, 501 slugging. Got off to a slow start, so a lot of that damage he did was really once he got going and it felt a lot more comfortable as a professional. He finished in the top 10 in the low A West League's homers, steals, great combination of power and speed, doubles average on base percentage, and slugging. Keith Law mentions that Veen was primarily used as a corner outfielder. He does have a little bit of potential to be a center fielder on a temporary basis at some point in the future, but overall, Zine, overall Zach Veen has been a lot stronger as of late. He's added about 15 pounds that uh, Keith Law is reporting here since the end of last season already, which is fantastic. He's got that 30-30 potential, uh, 30 homers, 30 stolen bases. And, you know, I don't want to hang the Larry Walker tag on him, right? Because we're talking about a Hall of Famer, and that's, that's never fair when it comes to prospects. But, of course, he does have that great combination. That needs to cut down on his strikeout rate. But you really like the fact that the Rockies got this pick right in 2020, right there at the beginning of the, the pandemic that we had it in June. And Zach Veen, number 23 on Keith Law's top 100 list. Next on that list at number 97 is catcher Drew Romo, the second pick that the Rockies had in that 2020 draft class. Now, Drew Romo is a switch hitting catcher, which is quite rare in many ways. And he ticked off a lot of the same boxes as Zach Veen, uh, did have 23 steals. In 30 attempts, again, a little bit shocking to see a catcher steal that much, but we know the Rockies are a lot more aggressive on the base paths when players are younger. doesn't always translate to the majors, but it allows them to feel comfortable on the bases. It's, it's funny, over the weekend, talked with a guy who nearly was a 40-40 guy, nearly was a 50-50 guy. He had 37 home runs, stole over 50 stolen bases, 
1987 with the Cincinnati Reds, Eric Davis. And we were talking about the fact that MLB teams have a tendency of telling players what to do rather than allowing them to be natural and use their own instincts and trust their own abilities, right? We see the players taking their cards out of their back pocket to know where to be positioned and all of these different things. And the Rockies allow their minor leaguers to really feel themselves in a lot of ways in that capacity as far as stolen base go and say, hey, if you get thrown out, it's not a big deal. We'd rather you get thrown out at the low A level than at the big league level. And they tell their guys exactly that. I've heard that from numerous people from within the organization. So Drew Romo stealing bases, hey, that's great. Uh, You never know when you're going to need that ability by the time he gets to the majors. Again, he's got a good short swing, uh, got some good barrel awareness that Keith Law is mentioning there. And so we know that offensive abilities for big league catchers isn't terribly high. And so if Romo continues at this rate, he'll, he'll be above average. But the defense is really what's going to allow him to translate to the majors. It's been it's always been really fantastic, and, and it's going to continue that way. I'm really looking forward to see what he does next year at High A. Go back and listen to Monday's podcast, if you haven't already, where I go through and talk about a lot of the prospects and on the Fangraphs rankings uh, as they profiled 36 of the Rockies' top prospects. Now, just missed for this list is Benny Montgomery. First pick that the Rockies had in 2021, a draft that was held in Denver. It's pretty cool. The first time MLB ever had the draft in the same location at the same time as the all-star game week. It was held right after the futures game. So there you've got Benny Montgomery being selected out of Western Pennsylvania. Keith Law says he's a plus runner with plus raw power. But pro scouts who saw him over the summer and instructs were concerned about the unique swing, which has a large hitch in it, and how well it will hold up against better pitching in full season ball is yet to be known. So he's got a way to go. And I, I've heard about this hitch in his swing. Uh, it's not promising for a guy that that you selected that early in the first round uh, of an MLB draft. But he hasn't been a, he's been a pro for less than a year. It, it hasn't been very long. And guys work out of those things. Justin Turner is an extreme on one end of the spectrum where, you know, he was three or four years into his career as a big leaguer before he finally figured it out. And so Benny Montgomery has plenty of athleticism that even if the bat doesn't take hold and we don't see that raw power come to fruition, there's still plenty on the defensive end of the spectrum that is fantastic. Now, this was the most interesting thing that Keith Law said about Benny Montgomery. Again, a guy who was not in the top 100, but is a player that very well could be. He said he's got 20-20 upside, 20 homers, 20 stolen bases with good defense and center, which could put him on the top 100 next year. So he's right there. And we saw him play a little bit at the Arizona Complex League. We'll see what he does at low A Fresno, see if he can do a lot of the same things that Zach Veen did this year. But this was an interesting spot that I want to talk a little bit more about. He says, about Montgomery, quote, he has defense and position in his favor, right? Playing center field. As he's more likely to stay in center field than Venus, he's got a lot more to prove to make that swing work against better pitching than what he saw as a high schooler in Pennsylvania. Now, this might seem like an unfair assessment or judgment. Again, go back to listen to Monday's podcast where I kind of highlighted how these prospect rankings aren't trying to be biased against the Rockies. And ultimately, I don't think they are. I really don't think they are. I think that there's always a degree of difficulty when it comes to these things. But these guys who cover prospects as their job, that's their livelihood. It's how they put food on their table. They want to be right about every single guy, including number prospect number 52 in the Rockies system. They want to nail the fact that They said, you know what, if this guy can figure out X, Y, and Z, I think he could be a good bench player for a couple years in the majors when no one else is talking about the 52nd best prospect in the Rockies system. So they want to be right. But it sounds like it's an unfair assessment about the fact that, hey, he's coming from Western Pennsylvania and he didn't really play against really good pitching. So we don't really know what to expect from him. Look, everyone is is going to just going to have to wait and see when it comes to these prospects. We know Riley Pint has gotten himself some some great rankings in the past, uh, being such a, a high-end pick, and here he is now retired. But the, the bottom line is there are trends within baseball, and players can buck those trends. 
It's true. When it comes to baseball, look, players from certain parts of the country play against lesser talent. We know about the hotbeds of great baseball in California, Florida, Texas, right? It's similar to future NFL players in the SEC. We've got the folks down in the Broncos, DNVR. Betts is is down there. Ryan Koningsberg, Andre Simone, they're doing an amazing job covering the East-West game. So they're looking at guys for next year's draft, or rather this year's draft, coming up here in the springtime. And there's a lot of SEC guys that are there, right? There's those hotbeds, and guys will line up to be the 10th best player on Alabama because they're going to get better against the competition. And ultimately, there's going to be less questions about their ability because they're playing against high-ability players. And look, consider Grant Levine as an example, right? He hasn't fared so well in the minors. He still has plenty of road ahead of him to make it to the majors. And he still could be a very good big league ball player, right? But he, like a, like a lot of guys, but I think he in particular really missed out on that 2020 season to get those reps in against high-level competition. That was That was critical for him to have missed out on that. Because, you know, there's always what ifs for a guy of his caliber. But Grant Levine was the highest drafted position player ever selected out of his state, out of New Hampshire. Because it's not a state known for producing prodigious baseball talent. And so his abilities against lesser talent might make him shine. But how is he going to do against tougher competition? And so far, that hasn't worked out for him. But we'll wait and see. Okay. Levine and other players from locations not normally considered baseball factories shouldn't be ruled out. They're their own player, period. It just means there's going to be more challenges than normal when you go outside the box with these high-end draft picks. So that's what Benny Montgomery is dealing with. He might have been a little bit more outside the box for the Rockies since he hasn't been against that tougher competition. It's why on our MLB draft show in 2020 that we did over the course of two days, I gave the Rockies a B grade. For that draft. And again, they only had six picks. It was it was a shortened draft. They only had five rounds. But I gave them a B, which was the lowest of our DNVR folks, because I thought not only did they not get enough pitching and what was considered to be one of the deepest classes of pitching we've seen in a while, but it was also because they had drafted a high school catcher, 35th overall in Drew Romo, and high school fetcher, catchers simply do not fare very well historically. Again, Drew Rome was his own guy. I'm glad to see him number 97 on the list. I think he will be a major leaguer. I think he can can very well be the Rockies' number one starter. And he's got he's got all the opportunity in the world to be the greatest Rockies catcher in team history. That's that's the kind of thing you can hang on him. But odds show high school catchers don't typically turn out to be those kind of guys. Don't turn out to be those all-stars. It's a tough position. Tony Walters did an amazing job as a catcher. He didn't catch until his third year in pro ball. He was a middle infielder. So again, the statistics can be wrong, right? Players like Benny Montgomery, Grant Levine, Drew Romo, they have an opportunity to prove the probabilities wrong. But that's all we're talking about is probabilities for players of of a certain caliber, or rather not a certain caliber, but players that are in certain boxes. Right when we think about where they're from and the competition that they were against, but you know what? We're rooting for those guys, and it's very well possible. So, you know, Montgomery, like Levine, is going against a lot tougher competition, and so if they don't produce in the minors, it's no reason to totally write them off. Grant Levine was a guy who's who's been written off by FanGraphs. He wasn't on that list of the top 36 prospects that had a 35 plus value or higher, and so. That's something nice that can go on his whiteboard, right? That, that can go as a chip on his shoulder. That's going to help him through. And if I had to put money on it, I'm going to say that we are going to see Grant Levine at some point in the major leagues. I don't know what his ceiling is going to be exactly, but we're still, we still have that capability. We still have that possibility for that to happen. We also have some new Zips projections for 2022. You may have seen it on Fangraphs where Dan Zimborski went through to figure out as where we're at right now. And again, everything can change. Once this lockout ends, the free agent signing period is going to open up. We are going going to see players signing with, with teams and teams making trades with one another. So by no means is this the be all end all prediction for what's going to happen 
going forward. And the Rockies, according to these Zips projections, I'll tell you what they are in just a second. But I do need to tell you that members get a bigger beer when you're down at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. It's only 50 cents for your first month. For all the top-notch coverage on the Rockies here that you're listening to, in article form, we've got fantastic exclusives all off-season as well. Still keeping in contact with a lot of the players, coaches, and things of that nature. We also have all the great coverage of the Broncos with their new head coach situation. Nuggets, abs are in mid-season. Same thing with Rams and Buffs. All that great coverage for 50 cents for your first month. And of course, if you already know what we're providing and you're, you've been you've been a little bit gun-shy as far as pulling the trigger with becoming an annual member, well, guess what? Go to dnvrlocker.com, and you're going to get a free shirt with your annual membership in addition to that bigger beer, in addition to the access to the Discord channel and all kinds of fantastic events, extra raffle tickets when you come out to the watch party. It's all the reason to get locked in to the dnvr.com. And I'm, I'm locked in on our, our, our next sponsor here. I'm, I'm super excited because this is a product that I use literally every day. It's called Athletic Greens. You may have already heard about it on our DNVR network, but I started taking Athletic Greens because I felt that there's a difference in positive gut health. It's a big thing. I tell people all the time. That's why I eat, eat ginger uh, as raw or crystallized, so to speak, because you've got to be proactive with gut health. And I'm proactive with Athletic Greens because it's a better way to be then, well, reactive, because at that point, it's probably too late. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, your body absorbs 75 high-quality vitamins, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, minerals, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Athletic Greens supports mental clarity and alertness, and it can become your microhabit with big benefits. It's the one thing you can do every day to take great care of yourself. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash ROC, you know, rock the first three letters of Rockies. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash rock to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The moment we've been waiting for since the start of the football season in September, well, it's finally arrived. We made it. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? Don't fret. You can still get in on the action with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR and get 56 to 1 odds on either the Bengals or Rams. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR for 56 to 1 odds. The DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Well, as mentioned, Dan Zimborski, his zips, we had him on earlier in the month talking about some of the projections for the Colorado Rockies, and he does it for all of the National League. And unfortunately, we are looking at a last place finish in the NOS, a 66 and 96 record, 28 games behind the LA Dodgers, who are actually projected at only 94 wins as it stands right now. We know that's going to change. Not a very good good odds on winning the division or making the playoffs or winning the World Series, which I don't think is a is a big surprise, I think, to a lot of us. But they've got the worst record, or rather worst odds, in the NL. And that's mainly because, well, we know the Pirates play in a much weaker division in the NL Central. And because the next worst team is in their division, in the Diamondbacks. They're slated to win 72 games. Now, the other thing that I noticed in these projections from zips on fan graphs is that essentially the same five teams are going to the postseason as last year. Uh, except I think we've got a game 163 scenario for both the Brewers and Mets who are slated to go 88 and 74 for the final wild card. So really it's almost as if what happened in the off season hasn't really changed much here during the first part of 2022, right? Freddie Freeman, uh, we don't really know where he's going to be at. Trevor Story, okay, he's off the roster. But if you look at some of these projections, 
sometimes there are players that are kept around. And so we'll have to have Dan on again to find out, is Trevor Story still a part of this scenario? Is Freddie Freeman still a part of the scenario for Atlanta? Uh, regardless, not looking great right now, but this is where they're starting from. And they still have more work to do this offseason. Our guest tomorrow on Wednesday afternoon show, Renee Deschart, who is someone that a lot of you follow on Twitter. A lot of you enjoy her writing over at Purple Row. Well, she's going to be joining us. We'll see what her take is on these projections and if they're going to go after players like Seiya Suzuki or Chris Bryant and the state of shortstop Kyle Holder, who's an interesting little signing. We'll, we'll touch base on a lot of different things uh, for Renee, who's a, a super fan, super intelligent as far as it comes to her criticism and critique of the Colorado Rockies. So we'll get her take on this because the thing with the projections are they're just project they're just projections, right? They're not gospel, nor should they be taken as such. But it can be a good indicator on where things will probably go, right? And probably is very similar to probability. That that's how they work together, right? Now, the cool thing that Zamborski shows in his projections is the fact that he runs millions of simulations. He he allows the the information that he he puts into his algorithm to try and figure out what's the most likely outcome. That's why you say hey, there's a 72% chance because 72% of the time this team is going to make the playoffs. But it also means 28% of the time they're not. Some things are going to go wrong. And he shows that in uh, an interesting scenario with the Rangers, who we know have signed Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, along with John Gray on a four-year, $56 million deal, as well as Cole Calhoun. But one of these simulations has Corey Seager with 537 plate appearances as the Rangers shortstop in 2022. But another one shows Marcus Simeon getting a lot more plate appearances and a young player named Josh H. Smith getting a couple at-bats this season for the Rangers. Keep in mind, he hasn't played above high A, and the Rangers spent half of a billion dollars on two shortstops. And the projection shows, hey, there's actually a chance, if all things go wrong, basically, that this guy might even be needed by the Texas Rangers. And so that's how these projections work. Again, they are not gospel. And we also know that last year's projections were a little bit low on the Rockies and they ended up exceeding those expectations. So there's still a long way to go. It's crazy to think that we are, well, ultimately two weeks out. If you're watching this live on Tuesday, shout out to everyone who's in the live room watching along with me. But if you're watching live or if you're listening on the podcast, you know that two weeks from today on Tuesday, February 1st, we should have pitchers and catchers. So we're kind of in, we're in a rut here in a lot of ways. And Dan, you make a great point. Sometimes zips can be voodoo math and other times it can be dead on in, in, in many ways. It's just to give you an idea. If you use a tool like zips for your projections and you're putting together a team just based on the projections, there's a strong odds that if the projections say your team is better than someone else's team that should be really bad, you probably want to keep that team that the projections say are really good because odds are they're going to be better. And so, it, again, it, it's just a tool, but appreciate the shout out there, Dan. And again, we know you got to take those things with a grain of salt, just like you got to do that with a lot of these prospect lists because they're not the be all end all and players still grow. They make growth even at the major league level. So we, we can't be too attached to these or to be too disappointed. We got to let these young guys go out, do their thing, and be excited about them because I know I'm still excited about a lot of guys. Shoot, I'd be excited if Riley Pine came out of retirement and came to play because we know what abilities he had. We did see the rookie starring Dennis Quaid playing uh, good, old, good old Jim Miller there coming back in his mid to late 30s and pitching for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays at the time. And so, look, anything is possible. It's baseball. We love it. We're rooting for these guys, and we like being the snakes in the grass, as Kyle Freeland said at the beginning of spring training last year. We like to go out and surprise and have a chip on our shoulder. And so the Rockies are going to definitely have a big opportunity to have a chip on their shoulder. But if you've got a chip in your tooth, yeah, Good segue there, Patrick. Thank you. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group will help you out. And you know, they've also helped out so many smiling Colorado sports fans 
around town, and they should take credit for that, along with all of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and check it out. They're also extreme Colorado sports fans, like all of us, at DNVR. If you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. And you know Breckenridge Brewery's Good Company Hard Seltzer is the official Seltzy of DNVR. But hey, let's show them some love this winter with their Avalanche Ale, whether you're down on the corner of Colfax, New York at the DNVR bar, or you're just picking up a pack wherever you get your alcoholic liqueurs. This classic American amber blends pale chocolate and caramel malts in a well-rounded, flavorful beer. Avalanche Ale has caramel malts that lend whispers of toffee sweetness with a touch of bittering hops that gives this beer such a clean finish. It was crafted for balance, so you know it's versatile and satisfying as an anytime beer. It's Breckenridge Brewery's Avalanche Ale. Well, what is not very balanced right now is the negotiations between the Players Association and the owners. They met today, somewhat impromptu meeting that was announced somewhat last minute on Monday, but they met on Tuesday for 90 minutes. Did sound like it got a little bit heated in some ways here as we are now in day 62 in the lockout. And as I said, two weeks from pitchers and catchers reporting, that seems to be in jeopardy. And with every two-week interval, something else is in jeopardy. In another two weeks, we'll be talking about the first spring training games being in jeopardy on February 28th. And we'll be talking, well, I hope we're not talking about the start of opening day being in jeopardy because these two sides need to come together. Now, there were several big topics that were discussed today, and I think there's an inroad on several of them. And it's what's going to be really frustrating in this process is after both sides really stand down and say, okay, you know what, we'll step back from the table on this, or we'll give in to this, we'll we'll allow this, we'll drop our demands for every single one that either side ends up doing. All it takes is one topic for someone to just put their foot down and say, no, I'm rigid. We we cannot give in to this, or we will not accept this or allow this. And all it takes is that one issue, and we have opening day pushback. All it takes is that one. And I hope that's not the case. So the big topics going into today's meeting on Tuesday was number one being the minimum salary. Now, right now, the league minimum is $570,000 approximately. It's five seventy five hundred, And the players want $200,000 raise on that to seven. 75 owners only want to increase it by 44,000, which again, to most of us listening to this, that might be your annual salary. And so it's both a large and small number simultaneously, but that $44,000 figure is barely above the cost of living increase. So it does need to be a little bit higher than that. And again, the two sides eventually I think can come and meet in the middle at some point. There's also been some discussion about arbitration and pre-arbitration bonus pool. So this has been one of the bigger hot button issues, a lot more financial issues than this, but MLB PA, the Players Association, the union, they dropped their demands for earlier free agency and revenue sharing. So they had three major topics that they wanted to get to, and they dropped two of them. And so on one hand, you go, hey, that means the owners should totally be working with the players and give in at least somewhat because two things were dropped. But on the other hand, the owners say, well, you kept on the biggest issue, the one that has the most financial implications. And so it doesn't necessarily mean anything that the players drop their demands for earlier free agency after five years or when a player turns 29 and a half or 30 and a half years old. So earlier free agency, they, they stepped back from that one as well as revenue sharing. They stepped away from that. That was one where this offseason – I was I was a little perplexed by how the players were going to possibly have some kind of revenue sharing system as you know the other major sports have that but it's it's a very different situation than MLB and so to flip this thing on its head after so many years after you know approaching 50 years of of free agency in many ways 45 years look there's a system in place and 
this might not be the best time to try to change that system with revenue sharing. And so players, they drop those demands, of course. And so we're talking about arbitration. Here's what MLB has agreed to do. They've agreed to set up a bonus pool for pre-arbitration players. So what this means is when a player has three years of service time, now they start getting paid. They start making more money. That's where you see those deals where, uh, you know, you might see Ryan McMahon signs a one-year deal for $1.75 million. And you go, wait, was he a free agent? No, it was just that he was arbitration eligible. And instead of arguing in a room with an arbiter, they decided, hey, you know what? Here's a good figure that works for both parties. And so we'll sign for this year, one year at this price. And the next year, we'll go through that process again. But you have to have been a big leaguer for three years or more, three years of service. And so if you've got less than that, you are not eligible really for any kind of raise, but MLB wants to have a bonus pool for players that have only that one or two years of service time to say, hey, you know what? You were the rookie of the year, Jonathan India. We want to reward you. Or Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Corbin Burns. Hey, you guys are only like in your second, you know, you're, you're about to be in your third year of service time. And you know what? You were MVP, runner up in Vlad Guerrero Jr. You were the Cy Young Award winner in Corbin Burns. You deserve a big boost. You deserve a bonus. And so under the league's plan, a guy like Corbin Burns, who was the NL Cy Young Award winner, his salary would have jumped this season from 608000 to $2.34 million. Again, might not seem like a lot, but we're talking about it almost quadrupling at that point. And so that's that's substantial. And so the owners say, hey, you know what? We want this bonus pool to be about only $10 million. And the players they were at 130 at one point. They came down to 110. Today, they proposed 105 as part of that player bonus pool. And of course, not good enough for the owners. But it's good to see that there is a solution here somewhat to try and get these players who perform incredibly and, and immediately jump on the scene as an MVP type caliber player in the big leagues. And so that's positive. That's that's a very good thing. One of the big elements that came from this is the luxury tax. Again, players want a big jump, so that soft salary cap does go up. Right now it was at 210 under the previous CBA. They wanted to go up to $245 million and then eventually $273 million by the end of the CBA, end of this next CBA in 2026. Owners think, hey, that's that's a lot. You know, and 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 the players also want there to be some penalties for going over more than double what they are right now. And so, again, the owners don't want that because if they allow the big market teams to spend money, look, we know what it's like being in the small market town and how much of a disadvantage the Rockies are, even before when you consider everything about altitude and the front office and how ownership goes about their business. Let's just forget about that. Other teams are able to spend a lot more money, and that certainly doesn't seem to be fair, but that is the world that we live in. If the players can get those big market teams to spend a lot more money, and if their payroll can get up to $250, $260, $275 million in five years' time, well, then that money is going to trickle down to just about everyone. And teams like the Rockies will then spend even more money on their free agents. And so that becomes good for the players. It probably widens the chasm between big market and small market, but it is certainly better for the players. And frankly, when you see how a lot of small market teams operate, just because you have more money does not guarantee that you are going to be better than someone else. The probability is that it will, but it doesn't guarantee it. And so the players want that soft salary cap to go up. Now, there's also this idea going around about paying arbitration-eligible players based on war. You probably heard this. I may have mentioned it in a previous podcast, but I didn't dive into it terribly deep. I did know that I said that it was an awful idea, and the players feel it's an awful idea, and the creators of war around the world resoundingly said, yeah, this is, a, this is really a bad idea because war, wins above replacement, is not a set system. It's something that can change 
over time. And sometimes it takes two years to realize what those changes are, whether we're talking about park factors, we're talking about patterns that just change in gameplay and, and overall statistics. And in fact, Sean Foreman, the creator of Baseball Reference, said on Twitter, this was this was his outlet, and he said, no, this is a bad idea because one, occasionally mistakes are uncovered, and then they have to recalculate wins above replacement. Players should not have their livelihood and their money based on the fact that someone pushed the wrong button and evaluated a player incorrectly. So that shouldn't be right. He also mentions that new rules like the extra inning base runner or no National League DH force creators of wins above replacement to reformulate some things. How does that implicate a player's wins above replacement and therefore impacts his paycheck? A data provider like Baseball Info Solutions recalculates historical defensive run saves with better values. So that changes. Park factors, as I mentioned, change due to more info and with each year. He also says, the creator of Baseball Reference, Sean Foreman, that we decide to change how positional adjustments are calculated to handle modern usage and something unexpected happens like no starting pitcher ever goes five innings again and we have to adjust those factors. Craig Goldstein of Baseball Prospectus even says, quote, we're doing the best we can, but I think anyone who hosts a metric like that will tell you there are issues with them. There are generalizations. There are weak spots. That's part of the reason why there are multiple versions of these things. They take different philosophical approaches, end quote. So it's one reason why, you know what? Like so many things in baseball, there's a debate. There's always debating. There's always conversation about players and their value. And war is a fantastic tool to help us understand those values. But even that in and of itself isn't always the best. And Something that I've said for quite some time is this idea that eventually at some point, if war does get perfected, and I don't know that it ever will, but I very well could see what we know about baseball now getting turned on its head somewhat slightly. And at some point in the future, playing at Coors Field gets recalculated, gets readjusted, and we start to see a lot more Rockies players moving up the leaderboards and their values start to increase, especially the pitchers, because we already know how Coors Field can be, well, it's not necessarily held against pitchers, but if, you, if you've if you got a performance where you go out for four innings and you give up four runs, that seems awful, when it's maybe just only slightly worse than average because of Coors Field at different eras, at different times in its history. And so I think we're still yet to, to fully be able to appreciate. It's like going back and looking at Kyle Freeland's 2018. We might go back recalculate for war and turn out, you know what? He actually was the best pitcher in baseball that year. Same is true of Marvin Freeman in 1995. Same can be true of Jeff Francis. Same can be true of Ubaldo Jimenez in 2010. All those guys got Cy Young Award votes. Not all of them were impacted by wins above replacement, but it's certainly now we can go back and look and have a better context to appreciate those players. There's also been some discussions, as I mentioned, about those bonuses for rookies who fare well in the Rookie of the Year Award voting or even MVP and Cy Young Award voting. Now, this was something that was brought to the table by MLB to address the issue of service time manipulation. For those that might not be familiar with it, I think most of you guys already do, but service time manipulation is when basically you keep a player down in the minors for a certain period of time at the beginning of a season. This is just one example, but you keep him down in the minors for the first three weeks of the MLB season. And what that does is it gives you another year of team control. Chris Bryant is a free agent right now. 2021 season ended. He became a free agent. The only reason he became a free agent now and not last year was because he wasn't brought up to the majors by the Cubs for the first three weeks of the 2015 season. He was the best player the Cubs had in 2015. And I know because I was super stoked to see him at Sloan Park down in Mesa, that spring training. My father and I went down. We were going as fans. We wanted to see nine games in seven days, which we were able to do thanks to some day games and some night games. And the day we drove down, our first day to go see the Cubs at Sloan Park, Chris Bryant was sent down to the minor league camp. And we were dumbfounded. Until we thought for a second, oh yeah, if the Cubs just keep him down in the minors for three weeks, they can keep him for one extra year in 2021. They'll have to pay him, 
they'll have to pay him more because he'll reach arbitration uh, a little bit earlier as a super two. But bottom line is you'll get to keep him for another year. Well, in this same instance, this bonus pool that they're trying to create for players who do well in Rookie of the Year, MVP, or Cy Young Award voting, that doesn't entice teams to bring up their players and put them on the opening day roster on opening day. It, it doesn't entice a team to do that in any way. In fact, if anything, it furthers the idea of, you know what, wait to call up your guy midseason or call him up early so that it almost takes him out of the running for Rookie of the Year award voting. Teams don't – look, if, if a team is going to have to play, pay a player more for winning the Rookie of the Year, and he's a stud, he's a top 100 prospect, which is part of what this package is being talked about between the players and the owners, that if he's one of those guys, you would probably put some money on on DraftKings Sportsbook and say he's a Rookie of the Year candidate. If he wins the Rookie of the Year award, and under this proposal of a bonus pool, you will now have to start paying him more each and every year. It won't just stop after his rookie year and then his salary goes back down. No, it will continue to get higher incrementally. And so you almost don't want your top 100 prospects to be a rookie of the year candidate. So bring them up in September. Bring them up maybe in late August. So at that point, his odds of even if he goes on an absolute tear for six weeks, it won't be enough for a guy who's been doing it all season long. So he'll lose his rookie eligibility. Maybe he'll get a vote, a third place vote, because he was only around for six weeks, whereas everyone else was around for six months. And you know what? You don't have to worry about paying him more. So again, the war idea, it sounds good. It sounds good because it's something that we understand. And giving bonuses for players who win the Rookie of the Year award sounds good, but it's the details. The devil's the devil is in the details. There's a lot of devils in there as well. It's not just one. There's multiple. So they can actually help keep these salaries down. And, you know, I know it's millionaires against billionaires, and the players are going to get a lot of crap here at some point. I was speaking with someone today about the owners really pushing the players up against the wall. And we could come to a point, because I've said and I've heard it before, that three weeks is all we might need for spring training. Now, players really need six weeks. The pitchers need six weeks. The hitters don't. They can get ready a lot quicker. But pitchers need a full six weeks to ramp up and be ready for the six-month season. And if they don't get it, well, they can maybe have expanded rosters. Instead of having 26 guys, it can be 28 or 29. It's what they did in 1995 when they had a quick turnaround, when they settled that lockout and that work stoppage. So they could have increased pitchers on the roster, but still – the likelihood of having a pitcher getting injured is going to increase. And so the Players Association know that they're aware of that. Even hitters, even position players are more easily going to be injured because of a shorter spring training. And that obviously hurts the players in a major way. And the owners are going to be aware of this. And they're going to push the players and say, all right, well, hey, look, there's only four weeks left. Do you want to take this deal? Because you'll at least get four weeks of spring training. Again, this this is all just theoretical, throwing it out there of what could happen. Maybe you even get a scenario of, hey, there's three weeks left. It's just enough. And even if we're talking three or four weeks out from opening day, the players might be put in a bad spot where they might have to say, we don't feel comfortable with only these three weeks or these four weeks. So you're going to have to push opening day back. And if the players are the ones that are saying that, they are going to be painted as the bad guys here in a lot of ways. Not that the owners back them into that corner and they want the players in their union to go out and risk injury by having a short season in what will be a long and normal length regular season. So that's going to be a tough spot that the players are going to be put in here is, is are they going to be made to look like the bad guy? And here's something that we should remember when it comes, because look, the difference between a billionaire and a millionaire is 100 times. The billionaires have 100 times as much money as the players. Yes. And we're also talking about 30 owners, not literally, but essentially 30 ownership groups. And we're only talking and, and we're talking about a lot more than 30 players. We're talking about 30 on each team, right? We're talking about 750 players or so that are a part of the union. There's more than that. But that's typically what you'll see on a given day if, if every team runs out every single player. 
But the bottom line is this. When MLB expands, that's going to bring in over $2 billion in expansion fees. And that's that's some good free money for the owners. And just like it's it's free money, or rather it's the owner's money, when teams, as, as we've seen it in, in Boston and Fenway Park, we've seen it around Wrigleyville with the Cubs ownership group, they're buying up property around the ballpark. Because look, they they know that there's going to be 81 games a year. They can have concerts there on off days, things of that nature. That the real estate business around a stadium is booming. And they're taking advantage of that. And the players don't get to have that money. And they understand that. And that's okay. But there's so much hidden money that we don't even know about. Because the, we don't get to see the books, right? We only get to see Liberty Media. We get to see Rogers Communication up in Toronto as those are publicly traded companies. So... Those are the only ways that we have any remote idea what's going into the product and how much it costs to run a team, right? We, we all know corporations, they want to uh, make as much money as, as possible, but where is it fair? Where is it unfair? And what's it doing to the game? So the, the players are going to be put in, in a tough spot here. We're going to have to see what happens. We'll have to get to with our, our guest on Wednesday or, or Thursday for our live shows, Drew Goodman, Renee how they're going to handle this draft lottery where MLB wants the three worst teams, the Players Association wants eight teams. What are the details in this draft lottery, and can it really bring a lot more eyes on baseball in a good way during the offseason? We'll get to those topics. But I promise you a little bit of hodgepodge. One of the big stories, of course, on Monday was MLB The Show. If you're a big video game player, MLB The Show 2022 did come out with their cover. And of course, to no one's surprise, it's Shohei Otani. He is the cover boy, and rightfully so. When you think about the face of baseball right now, it's not his teammate, Mike Trout, even if he is the best player in the game. And that's going to start to change very soon here, especially with an injury plague 2021, the shortened 2020 season where I know he wasn't completely healthy and he did miss some games. Shoyotani, he's the face of the Angels. He's the face of Major League Baseball. And they got this one right. It was kind of a slam dunk. You can go online and find out all of those Photoshopped covers with our guy Jake, talking Jake, Jake Storielli from John Boy Media. You got ones with Vladimir Guerrero wearing some uh, pretty short shorts, but they definitely got this one right. A player you could pitch with, a player you could hit with on MLB The Show. How much more exciting could it possibly be? This one is was was a slam dunk, and hats off to them. They got it right. They needed to get it right. And so, hey, finally some good good press for Major League Baseball right now. I don't know if you saw this, but the Diamondbacks, they are hiring right now for their Legends mascot race. Yes, if you've ever been to a game down at Chase Field, They've got Mark Grace, Luis Gonzalez, Randy Johnson running around. They're almost like giant bobbleheads. They just don't bobble. And they run around. And look, it's a part-time position. They're hiring folks. And you know, if you're 18 years or older and, and you're in the Phoenix area and you've got the ability to wear a 45-pound costume for hours at a time, this is in the qualifications. I don't know how you qualify for something like that. But it's really more, will you will are you willing to suffer through that? I don't know if they'll they make you do some shoulder exercises to figure that out, but you gotta be reliable, punctual, courteous, and you gotta wear a 45-pound costume and be comfortable performing in front of 40,000 plus fans, which is a little bit generous right now because I don't I don't know if the Diamondbacks are gonna get that many for any game this year. Maybe opening day, maybe fireworks if they've got that on the fourth of July. We'll see. They're also hiring for their their cheerleaders, right? They've 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 got some some people that go around the ballpark for that. They're golden glovers, which is basically what they call uh, ball boys, ball girls. They're called gold glovers. And maybe the best part of all, they are hiring the Diamondbacks and at Chase Field. They are hiring for lifeguards for the pool in right field. Yes, they. That's actually a, a real job. They are hiring for it, and so. That would certainly be a very interesting job. I haven't heard about there being any kind of accidents, thankfully, at Chase Field. And I guess that's that's due to the fact that they do have a lifeguard on staff there, part-time, for the Diamondbacks. 
of course, I had to extend it out and say, well, are the Rockies hiring right now? And right now they, they do have a lot of positions that are coming soon, but they are hiring for a part-time grounds crew person, $15 an hour. And if you know anything about the Rockies front office, you can get your start on the grounds crew and eventually work your way up. Maybe in the scouting department. I don't know, but it is true that you start from the bottom, you work your way up. Hey, I did it. I had to do it. Covering some minor league baseball back in 2018 when I first started at DNVR. And so grounds crew is a great opportunity to meet some folks, get noticed, have that hard work payoff, a little over $15 an hour to be a part of the Coors Field grounds crew this season for the Rockies. Uh, All you got to do is Google job opportunities or Rockies job opportunities. They're also coming soon. They have an assistant team photographer that's going to be posted at some point. So if you know anybody that's into photography, you've got an opportunity to make some bones there. And the mascot coordinator. That's right. Mascot coordinator. I'm I'm thinking our friend Beast here in, in the chat, you know, wouldn't mind hanging around Dinger. And being that person with that vest on and the safari hat, doing all those good things, look, if if it pays the bills, why not? Why not? And so I think the Rockies will have a few more openings on their 26-man roster. Again, we'll talk with Renee tomorrow, Drew Goodman, on Thursday or Friday. We have some more special shows for you scheduled this week. And we'll we'll try to figure this thing out, what the Rockies are going to do, what the players are going to do, what the owners are going to do so we can get our precious baseball back. Look, we're not missing out on any games. We're not missing the the pop of the glove or the crack of the bat just yet, though we are getting close to it. That's okay. Tune in for all the updates on DNVR Rockies. Get the updates on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. And you know what? Even when we're not talking about the updates, we're having fun talking baseball, talking Rockies, celebrating them like we do, like we love to do in so many ways. So thank you all for tuning in to DNVR Rockies. For DNVR Sports, I'm Patrick Lyons, and this has been a lot of fun. We should do it again. But you know what? As, as great as this one was today, momentum, it's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I'll talk to you then.